Hey there, thank you for tuning in to the This Southern Girl Can Show, the podcast that covers it all with a sweet Southern accent. Your host, Amber, is a successful YouTuber and published author who teaches others to craft, cook, run a business, and balance a hectic lifestyle. Check her out on Facebook, YouTube, and all other forms of social media under the same name as this podcast, This Southern Girl Can. You can also check out her website at www.thissoutherngirlcan.com. And now, here's Amber. Hey, y'all. So we have a handful of things that I want to go over today. But first off, I just want to touch base on some of the things that I've been discussing in my previous two episodes, talking about toxicity, not only with business coaches, but also in the wreathing community. And it's not just in the wreathing community. Since those episodes have aired, I have, I don't know how many messages in my inbox on Facebook of people tracking me down and sending me messages telling me about the toxicity in the crafting world. And it's not just in the wreathing community. It's everywhere. It's in the clay community. It's in the t-shirt community, the Tumblr community. Basically, it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. So the problem is actually bigger than what I thought it was. And it can be disheartening to hear everyone's stories about things that are going on. And someone had actually sent me a message and they're like, well, I don't know what drama you're talking about because I haven't heard of it. Really? Do you know everyone? Do you hear everything? Do you talk to everyone? And then someone else had had said, well, usually when I get around to hearing it, you know, it's been a long time since it actually happened. Well, if you would get your head out of your behind, you would probably know a little bit more about what's going on in the crafting community. Seriously, get out of your bubble, get out of yourself and you would hear it. Or the person causing the drama doesn't realize it because hello, you're the person causing it. So it's just kind of funny to hear people say that they haven't heard of it when I have tons of people coming to me and telling me about things that are actively going on. Just because you haven't heard of it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That That is such an, an egotistical statement. And grandiosity is the foundation stone of narcissism, you know, or they downplay it and then they play the victim, you know, just trying to get attention. Oh, you know, I'm so sick of this. I have to go lay down. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. But anyway, let's get into one of the main topics of this episode. And that main topic is, let's talk about craft shows. Now, back in the day when I used to make a ton of jewelry, yes, I did craft shows. But as I moved more towards the online space, I got out of the craft show circuit. But I know a lot of people that are in craft shows. I do keep up with the trends. And certain trends just never go out of style. Now, I could rake in killer cash in one day. A lot more than what some people will do in an entire weekend. And it's, it's not hard. Just a few little tweaks here and there. And you can really draw in more people, more customers. And one of those things that I want to talk about is color. And you might think, well, I've got a lot of color in my display, you know, or I use, let's say it's Christmas time and you're going to use a lot of red and green and blue or, you know, the, the wintry colors. And that's all well and good because a lot of times... The Christmas colors really don't deviate too much from the classic red and green. There is a lot of blue and there can be burgundies and golds or navy and gold, navy and silver. There's a lot of that as well. I'm talking about more like now in the fall. Okay. A lot of people are out Christmas shopping, right? And there are 
a lot of craft fairs that have already come and gone, but there are a lot more that's coming up too. I mean, they're advertised all over the place around here. And color can play such an important role in that. Okay, so now let's say that I'm out Christmas shopping, right? And I try to support small business. I like to support the local artisans. Now, let's say that I want to go shopping for myself. Okay, my favorite color is purple. And I'm out and I think I'm just going to grab something for myself or for a friend or a relative. And I know their favorite color. Now, here I come up to your booth and you have really beautiful hats and scarves and things like that that you crochet. Let's use crochet for an example just for this right here, okay? So let's say that you have a bunch of hats and scarves and most people I know have them like in a container of sorts, maybe like a plastic freezer bag or like a little container, you know, so kids and people just aren't grabbing everything and touching it. So let's say you have your mannequin head here and you have your hat and scarf on display for people to see the design, right? And now you have all of the sets here, all different colors, but I'm looking for purple. Now, I'm in a hurry because I got a lot of shopping to do and this is a big craft fair and you know, the kids are wanting candy apples or they're wanting to go over here and they're, they're wanting funnel cake because let's say maybe this is an actual fair that you're setting up at. Maybe not just a craft fair, but an actual fair. And there's lots of things to see. I'm not gonna stand here and take the time to look through everything you have in order to find something that's the color that I'm looking for. When I have a whole bunch of colors to choose from, I'm like, I don't have the time for this. I'm gonna keep right on walking. What you could do is just group things of the same color together. As simple as that sounds, as simple as it sounds, it can make a huge difference in sales. And it doesn't have to be, um, okay, so let's say that you have red. We have red and then you have pink. Separate those. If you have purple and then lavender, separate those. If you have like bright colors, what you want to do is like on one part of your display, have all of your bright colored things, bright blue, red, green, yellow, in your face colors, you know, and then you have those arranged by color. Keep them separate, organize them by color, and then let's have a display or something in the center to separate the bright colors from the lighter colors. Now over here, you're gonna have your pastels, but again, separate those into colors, like your light pinks, your light purples, your light blues. Keep those separate. I'm a bold person. I like bright, bold colors. I can't stand pastels. So I don't wanna look at something that's pastel. I don't wanna look at your neutrals. I wanna see what colorful things you have. So I'm gonna be drawn over here to your brightly colored things and I'm gonna go right in for the purple. I'm gonna grab it, I'm gonna pay you and I'm gonna keep on trucking, right? I'm not gonna dig through everything. Now, some people say, well, if you can make people actually have to stand there and look around for the thing that they want, maybe they'll see something else they like and they'll buy more. No, they're not. No, they're not. That's not going to work. I'm going to get aggravated. I'm going to be like, bye. You know, I can go find somebody else that can make me a hat and a scarf or heck, I crochet myself. I'll do it myself instead of supporting this, this small business that I want to support. So you have to think about things like that. If you're making jewelry, let's say you have a lot of blues in your jewelry, make your whole display blue. Okay, make your whole display blue and then display all of your blue jewelry. If you have different colors of jewelry, different colors of stones, have all of those grouped, have them all grouped over here. Maybe this section of your display is all red, then put all of your red jewelry on it. Over here, you have blue. Make your blue display, put all of your blue jewelry on it. Don't have like mix match colors of displays. Oh, this has like a floral. I've seen some of these. And it's sort of like a piece of cardboard with a little bit of padding and then fabric over it. 
and you can hang your necklaces on it or you can use um, U-pins and put your bracelets and stuff on it. Don't use like busy floral backgrounds. Try to keep it neutral and maybe try to group it with separate coloring because I have seen them. They're either black or gray. Now, sometimes you can find color displays for your jewelry. Put the jewelry on a color that's going to be... I don't want to say like a stark contrast, but something that's going to bring out the color in the stone on your jewelry or the beads, whatever it is that you're using, your artistic medium, you want something that's going to bring out those colors, but don't mix them all up. A green necklace is probably not going to look as good on the same background as a red necklace. You know what I'm saying? So you want to really make sure that those colors help each other stand out, but yet keep them separate. Okay, like greens over here, blues here, reds here. Okay, I would like to have a nice necklace for this outfit I have at home, and I need a red one. Okay, I'm not going to stand here and pick through everything you have to try to find red. I want to hone in on red, grab that, and go. Another thing that really helps to increase sales at these shows is repetition. And you probably think, oh, repetition, oh, that's boring, right? It's like the same thing over and over. Well, not necessarily. If you have... Uh, let's go back to jewelry again. Let's say that you make jewelry. Try to keep it within, don't have like, um, like hemp cording necklaces. And over here you have sterling silver settings. And then over here you have beaded bracelets. Try to keep it all within a theme. All right. Let's use beads for an example. Beaded bracelets, beaded rings, earrings, necklaces. You have a theme, okay? It doesn't all have to be the same color. It doesn't have to be all the same style. But what I'm saying is don't have like a wire-wrapped pendant on a silver chain, and then over here you have a beaded bracelet, and then over here you have a resin ring display. That's, it doesn't, it's not very cohesive. It looks, it looks pretty junky, actually. So if you want to specialize in wire-wrapped jewelry, do that just for your display at that particular fair or that particular show. Now, if you want to sell other types of jewelry and you do that online, if you do it on your own website, which I highly recommend and to stay away from Etsy, but if you sell on Etsy, you know, wherever you sell in the online space, you can sell as many different designs as you want. But when it's there in person and you're limited to this one little booth, you don't want to have it, you don't want your table to look like a flea market is what I'm trying to say. Because when you're online and let, you know, Jill's Jewelry, you go to Jill's Jewelry and now you see all these categories. You see wire wrapping, beaded, resin cast, you know, you can go to each page, whatever page that you want. You can go to each page and look and see what Jill's Jewelry has to offer. Now, once you click on that page, all that you're going to see on that page is like wire wrap jewelry. Okay, but when you're in person and you're looking at this booth and you see, oh, jewelry, and then it just, like I said, it looks like a flea market, you know, threw up all over the table and you have all of these different styles. It, it doesn't look good at all. It looks like a hot mess and you, you can really, really increase sales if you keep it cohesive, if you keep everything grouped together. And you might be thinking, well, that, that's a pretty simple thing, right? That's everybody knows that. No, they don't. Everybody don't know that. Because I have been to plenty of craft shows and I've seen the different displays and I watch the displays and I see who buys what. And these people aren't selling, but yet these people over here are selling pretty much the identical thing. Maybe not identical, but like the, the same type of thing. You know what I'm saying? And it can go for wreaths too. I know a lot of wreath makers out there. You know, sometimes they sell really well and sometimes they don't. 
And then again, it could just be the season. You know, some people just want to get out of the house. Some people are actually looking to buy. And you're not going to make killer sales at every single show. But the more aesthetically pleasing it is, and the more put together it looks, people are more apt to buy. And so they might just be out looking. But then if they look over and they see this really beautiful display, they're like, wow, yeah, that looks really nice. I want something nice from this nice display. They're more apt to purchase. I think it increases, actually, from what I had read in one of these studies, talking about such a thing, by using repeating colors and shapes and such, you can actually increase your sales by up to 30% just by doing those two things, okay? Just utilizing your color placement and your shapes. Now, let's say a lot of your jewelry uses ovals, okay? Let's say you make jewelry and you're using oval cabochons in your pendants and your bracelets. If you can also have things in your display that's oval shaped, maybe just a little, just a little decorative piece, just a little something, you know, just like a little knickknack that you would set around your house and then drape a piece of jewelry over that. Or let's say you use a lot of triangles in your designs, you know, find something triangular or maybe even a pyramid shape and set on your display and then drape a bracelet over the top of it. Something to pull all of the shapes together. And this is how a lot of the big stores do it in their display windows. They bring shapes and they bring color. They lump the colors together so that when you look at this thing, you're hyper-focused on, oh, look at this instead of the eye going to the left, to the right and up and down and green and blue and yellow. It's very confusing to a lot of people. And I know you're like, well, it's just a craft fair. It's not confusing. Well, some people get very overwhelmed, okay? Some people get very overwhelmed. In the age of TikTok, people's attention spans are, are really, really shortened now, okay? Most, if you can't grab somebody, usually in the first three to five seconds, they're going to keep on going. But if somebody can walk past you and that one thing catches their eye and they're like, that is a beautiful display. I wonder what they have. You've pretty much hooked them. And if you can just get them over there to look and while they're looking, what I don't like is people that let other people touch things. Okay. They're, they're touching everything. Just stop touching things. People are going to touch. I mean, they are, people are going to be all up in your face trying to take pictures of your items and then trying to go home and replicate them. That's fine. Let them do it. Who cares? They weren't there to buy anyway. Okay. A lot of people come to these fairs and they're not there to buy. They're just there to look and take pictures. You're not going to sell to these people. I don't give you get to them for 90% off. They're not there to buy. They're just there to look. And you can't stop that really. Unless you put up a little sign on your display telling people you do not have permission to take photos. And then they're just going to walk a few steps away, turn around and take the picture anyway. You know, pe people don't listen. Now, a lot of people don't care if someone picks up a necklace and holds it up to say, mm, okay, like, like how far will this necklace fall? Because a lot of people, if you say, what size necklace do you prefer? They don't know if it's a 16 inch, 18 inch. They don't know. They're going to pick up a necklace and a lot of jewelry makers have a little mirror there so that they can hold up the jewelry and, you know, just see what it would look like that length, what it would look like on them. Now, people that crochet with the hats and the scarves, okay, if I walk by and you just have your things laying out with tags all over them and people are picking them up and putting on the hats, putting on the scarves, okay, I'm, I'm probably not going to touch that. I don't like people putting things on their head <laughs> and then putting it back down. It just makes me feel ucky. I don't like it, okay? Um, a lot of people don't mind that, but I do. If you can have things that you have marked, like, you know, like like a sample hat, okay? 
and but if people want to touch it and feel it and you know it's so hard to say with hats but if you can have something that says what they can touch and what you would rather people not take off the display that can help a lot as well if you have a bracelet you know, I don't want everybody picking up the bracelet, putting it on, and then they're getting, you know, their germs and their gunk all over it. If you have something of similar, maybe length, or just make another one and have that as a sample, and you can have like a little tray of like your try-ons, your try-on tray, and just have things laying on your tray where people can pick it up and see how it would look, like the color of the beads against their skin tone, or see how that size bracelet would fit. You can do things like that. And some things you, you just can't help. People are going to pick it up anyway. But if you can sort of minimize that, that's a big thing that I've heard from a lot of people. They just don't like the fact of they can buy something. It's like buying used clothing, you know? And a lot of people won't shop at the Goodwill or thrift stores because they don't want to wear clothing that someone else has worn. And it's the same thing with wearables at craft fairs. Now with wreaths, a lot of people talk about people taking pictures of the wreaths. And like I said, that's not something you're really going to be able to stop. You, you just can't. But a lot of people will also come up to your wreaths and that they'll touch them and try to pull them apart and see exactly how you make them. You can put up a sign and tell them people, you know, don't touch. And if they start doing that stuff, you can tell them to step away from your booth. Don't be afraid to do that. Would you rather do that or have someone sitting there picking apart your wreath and possibly messing it up or pull something off of it just because they're trying to see how to make it? You can do that. Now, especially going into the holiday season, well, we are at the time that this is being recorded, you can use Christmas lights for the next topic that we are getting ready to go into, and that is lighting. So lighting is very important. A lot of people with the outdoor fairs, you know, you'll have like your little canopy that you're setting under, and it's very hard, it's very hard to get your lighting right. Now, if you have access, because I've done the craft fairs that I did were indoors, okay? So if you do those, a lot of times you have access to electricity. That is a wonderful thing because then you can plug in like a little desk lamp. Let's say that you have a beautiful showpiece that you'd like to show off. You can plug in a little desk lamp, put it on something a little bit higher than your items and have the light shining down to kind of showcase it. I've seen a lot of people do that. If you don't want to do that, you can use like these little battery powered fairy lights, especially going into the Christmas season. You could have a miniature Christmas tree on your table or just something that you could attach these fairy lights to. Fairy lights are fairly bright. I mean, you can get long lines of them at Walmart and they're pretty bright. And if you can set them to twinkle, that twinkling light is going to catch people's eyes. Now you can also use these with your autumn setups, your fall setups. A lot of people are still selling fall items. You can use lights to your advantage. You can take some sort of like autumn leaves, you know, the little um, swags. You can lay a swag around the edge of your table, wrap fairy lights around that, and then turn it on and then put the pieces that you really want to showcase, put those up against that light or very close to the light. So that when people glance, like, what's that over there flashing? And they look, they see the main things that you want to showcase. Now, in your little your little canopy things, like the big Apple Festival that I like going to, the little canopy things, battery-powered lights are pretty much your only option unless, you know, you have a generator or something that's allowing you or a power bank that you're plugging into. 
but utilize those fairy lights. Utilize any sort of battery-powered light. And if you sell soap, um, let's say um, like body oils, things like that, and you want to create a very spa-like scene on your table, you can use battery-powered candles, the LED candles. You can use those, just have like a little display of those, arrange them on a little tray, um, groups of threes, okay? Now, when you're grouping things together, odd numbers will always catch the attention of the eye. So if you want to group your candles like that, just have like a little grouping of three different heights of your LED candles and put... If you're selling soap, let's use soap as an example, lay in a bar of your soap up against one of the candles in the display and have those little candles all throughout your display. It makes it very cozy. When people feel comfortable, they purchase more. If they feel like they are being pressured, they'll be like, ugh, especially me. <laughs> you know, if you're going to say, hey, can I help you with something? No, I'm just looking. All right, now don't talk to me again. I'm being drawn to your booth for a reason. And I want to maintain that level of comfort. I don't want you in my face talking to me. Stay over there. <laughs> Check on me. But, you know, I'm not here to talk. I'm here to look at things. Which leads me into the next topic is talking to people. Of course, acknowledge someone when they walk up to your booth. I've seen people do this. I've walked up to a booth before and they're just sitting there reading a magazine. It's like, hello? You know, can you not see me standing here? Obviously, you don't want to sell too much. Or they're just sitting there reading a book or they're playing on their phone. You know, you can sit there and, you know, be friendly. Somebody walks up, hey, how are you? Anything in particular that you're looking for? No? Okay, I'm here if you need me. Don't badger them. Stop coming back to them. Or don't walk up to them, like, with your hands behind your back, just staring at them the whole time they're there. I can't stand when people do that either. I will walk away if you do that to me. A lot of people are like, that's not just me. It's <laughs> not just me. There's a lot of people out there like that. But you want to acknowledge the person, but don't badger them. I know you want to make a sale. We all want to make sales, right? I'm not here to hear, you know, your, your story about your uncle's surgery and your dog or your cat or, you know, what your kids are doing in school or, you know, just done. don't start asking personal questions. I've seen people do that. I'm like, why are you asking these people all these questions, you know? Be friendly, but not overzealous. Because if you pressure people, they are going to equate you to a used car salesman that you're just trying to push product just to get it out. And it makes you, number one, it makes you look desperate. Please buy for me. Please, I'm desperate for a sale. That is not a good look because then it looks like your business is suffering. Okay? When you come across like that, they're like, mm, they must not be making very many sales. I wonder why. Maybe they don't have a good online reputation. You know, maybe this, maybe that. It starts to put doubt in people's heads, you know, where if you're friendly and then you just back off, they're like, oh, well, that was nice of them. And you can also offer something for free. And I used to do this on my booths, um, have like a little, a little bowl or something with candy. Everybody likes candy, you know, regular candy and sugar-free candy. Or, you know, have a, a free something, you know, just something tiny. You know, don't spend all your money on freebies. That's a big mistake a lot of people make, especially small businesses. They want to, to grab attention by giving things away, but then they spend so much money on it. Keep your freebies small. Just a piece of candy is fine. Dum-dums. Everybody loves dum-dums. I know some dum-dums, but everybody loves the dum-dums. You can have, like I said, regular candy and sugar-free. And make sure that you label it as such, you know? Here, take a piece of candy. People walk by and grab a piece of candy and they're thinking that person is genuinely nice. 
and they might feel obligated. Well, I took her candy. Now I need to look at some of the stuff on her table. Oh, well, that's cute. You know, uh, if I don't like it, um, um, Uncle Jim will like it or Aunt Betty's going to like it. And that works especially well with upcoming holidays. Maybe not so much seasonal, but upcoming holidays. Everybody is in the, the giving mood. Like, oh, they gave something to me. Now I need, you know, to, to give something to them by buying something. A lot of people think that way. Like I said, Christmas coming up. So that works especially well around Christmas. And the final thing, I'm, I'm going to try to cut the uh, episode off here. But the final thing is you really need to pay attention to the place where you're going. Where are you going to have this craft fair or this craft show? What's the demographic? Do a little bit of research onto the city, the neighborhood that it's in. What's the demographic? Is it a, a more upscale neighborhood or, you know, is it more blue collar? Is it a big football town? You know, what? what is the big thing in that town? And try to play off of that. Don't just have, if you know the demographics like that, you want to try to narrow things down. Don't just have things in your booth that you like to make, okay? I like to make this. Well, maybe what you like isn't what is going to do well in that particular city at that particular fair, okay? So let's say around here, I live way out in the country, okay, I'm in the woods. So everything around here is focused on farm animals, tractors, things of that nature. So when you crochet um, stuffed cows, uh, horses, things of like that go really, really well. Now, if you tried to sell something geared toward golfers, it's probably not going to go well because we don't, it's just not a big thing around here. Like I said, look at the demographic. What's the income of the people that's going there? What is the big thing that people like to do in that city? Do they have like a football team that represents them? Whereas, you know, you can't sell things with NFL teams on them. You can use the colors. Carolina Panthers, let's use them. You can make hats and scarves using those colors. You could make wreaths using those colors and people would probably snag it up. You just have to really play into that and that can really help you. Like I said, don't have everything so broad. Even if you're in a town or a place that you really can't focus in on what exactly is this town's thing. Think about what you want to make. Do you want to make soap? All right, maybe not have such a broad array of soap. Maybe just kind of squish it down to two or three different kinds. Over here, we have soap for men. Here we have like your um, unisex soap. And then here we have soap for women. Or let's say that you want to have soap for men and women, but aim it towards those with sensitive skin. Have very soothing ingredients, you know, goat milk, oat milk, chamomile, lavender, things of that nature. Try to really, really bring it down and not have so many to choose from. A really good example of this is a Renaissance Fair. You ever been to a Renaissance Fair? I love the Renaissance Fair. And... I've been many times and there's always this one booth that has incense and the body oils and everything. And I could spend all day long in there because there's so many choices and you pick this up and you want to get this, but it's expensive. So you're like, well, I want this. So I'm going to put this on back and then you go get this. And so I think they had like a hundred different scents. Okay. That is way too much, way too much. And you'd see people, they're trying to decide which scent that they want to get. And then people come up and the booth is full. So they just move on. Oh, well, we'll come back later when it clears out and then it don't clear out because a couple more people come and they're trying to decide. And then those first people that came by saying, well, we'll come back later. They forget and they just go on because there's so much other stuff to look at. 
You don't want people gathered around your booth for more than just a handful of minutes. And by having a wide, wide, wide variety, people are like, oh gosh, what should I get? What should I get? And they either spend too much time in your booth and drive other potential sales away, or they spend time, they finally just get overwhelmed and say bye. And then they don't buy anything and they ran off people that could potentially spend money. You know, it's just one of those things. But I hope that this handful of tips gave you something to work with, gave you a little bit to use in your upcoming craft fair. So if you would, please go back and listen to my past episodes. Stay tuned for future episodes and I will see y'all later. Bye. You've been listening to the This Southern Girl Can Show. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to follow so you'll be notified of upcoming episodes. Take care and we'll see you next time.